spend a bit of time around the Word. Please take a big deep breath. Make sure you've got air in your lungs. I'd like to uh, start off on a lighter note, if I may, and uh, read something to you. A new pastor was visiting the homes of his members. At one house, it seemed obvious that someone was home, but no answer came from his repeated knocking on the door. So he took out a business card and wrote Revelation 3.20 on the back and stuck it to the door. When the offering was processed the following Sunday, he found that his business card had been returned. Added to it was this cryptic message, Genesis 3.10. Reaching for his Bible to check out the verse, he couldn't help but laugh. Genesis, uh, sorry, Revelation 3.20 reads, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Genesis 3.10 reads, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, for I was naked. <laughs> Alright, did you bring your Bible with you this morning? Raise, raise your Bible for a moment. Okay. <laughs> Great. Glad that you brought it. Now, the topic of this morning is communion with God, becoming still. We're busy with a series at the moment, Communion with God, focusing particularly this morning on becoming still. And I'm sure this is something that every one of us are very good at. We could teach each other lots on these things, and it's just so easy to become still. No. I think it's a bit of a challenge. Now, last week, we looked at examples from the Old Testament about communion with God. We looked at examples from the New Testament about communion with God. We also looked at how sometimes it's a struggle to hear God's voice, but we need to keep our confession in line with God's Word. We looked at the important scripture of John 10, verse 3 to 4, which speaks about the sheep. That's you and me, and it says, The sheep recognize His voice, and they know His voice. Don't tell me you do not hear the voice of God. Because the Bible says that if you're a sheep, <laughs> from last Sunday, then you are somebody that recognizes and knows the voice of God. We also looked at five steps to a life of communion with God. Now, Psalm 46. Would you please turn to Psalm 46? We're going to look at a few scriptures this morning, and I'd like to ask that each time you please turn there and uh, read in your Bible with me. Psalm 46, verse 10. It's the very short and simple scripture. And it says in verse 10, it says, Be still, comma, and know that I am God. There's almost something assertive here as well. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The same verse in the Amplified Bible says, Let be and be still, and know, recognize, and understand that I am God. The message version puts it like this, step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at me. It's wonderful in our times of worship like this morning, 
That's when we step out of the traffic, so to speak. And we take a long, loving look at God. And the wonderful thing is, as a result, it's like burdens get lifted. Our hearts begin to come alive again. Our souls begin to breathe. It's wonderful what takes place as we become aware of God and as we become still before the Lord. Now, a few aspects that we want to look at this morning, six to be precise. The first one is this. It's in the stillness that the knowing takes place. It's in the stillness that the knowing takes place. Maybe you can agree with that statement because you know of times when you've quietened your heart before the Lord and and you can honestly say that God becomes more real to you. You become more aware of Him. How many of you can agree that you do? You become more aware of God as you become still before the Lord. What does it mean to be still? According to some of the research that I did and some of the commentaries that I looked at, it means to be relaxed, to be calm, to not make an effort, to have a trustful state of mind towards God. I like that. To have a trustful state of mind towards God. It means to be quiet and easy. To be expectantly looking to the Lord. It means to be silent, to be at rest. That's what it means to be still before the Lord. And as I was preparing to speak on this today, I thought, I thought of the fact that many of us are perhaps being robbed in this area. Because life is exceedingly busy. Life is very complex. Life is very demanding. And it's not getting easier as civilization becomes more advanced, if I can put it that way. You would think it would become easier, but it's actually becoming more complicated. And the stillness gets robbed from us. And as a result, the knowing God gets robbed from us as well, because it's in the stillness that the knowing takes place. Habakkuk 2 verse 20 says, The Lord is in His holy temple, let all the earth be silent before Him. It's quite difficult to be silent. Isn't it? At times, quite difficult to be silent, to be quiet. A few years ago, I went on a weekend retreat with some church leaders. And it was agreed that on the one day, it would be a silent day. Part of this silent retreat, well, we were talking most of the days, but on this one day, from the time when you got up in the morning till just before supper, you had to be quiet. You had to be still. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not the easiest thing for me to do. And so we would go and we'd have breakfast, and you would all sit around the table together, and we would just eat, and you would just hear chomp, 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 and knives and forks, and noise of cutlery. And then you would go, and you would be quiet, and you would walk around this farm that we were on. And then tea time would come, and you'd come and sit uh, in a little lounge area together. There was about 15 of us or so, and we would just be still. And I remember how awkward this felt. Here we are, we're all sitting in a circle. We're looking at each other, and you smile occasionally, and sip your tea, and have your croissant, you know. 
you just look at each other. And at times I was wanting just to crack a joke and just come out of it, you know. But we'd just be quiet and the aim was to just be still and become aware of the Lord. And, and finally, by the time it got to supper where we could begin to speak, it was a, a relief for me because this was so foreign to be quiet. How many of you have ever been on a retreat like that or a silent retreat? Raise a hand. Is there anybody as crazy as we are, as, as I was? Okay. Very few people have had the opportunity to do that. Now, I think there's some people, by the way, I've noticed some people in this church are very talkative. Can you point to them next to you? Or, no, don't, don't point. I've noticed some people are talkative in this church. They get talking to me after church and I battle to get away. Or sometimes they're on the phone to me. Man, man, yep, 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 yep. And I can imagine for those people who wax loquacious, if that's the right phrase, to be still must be very difficult. But you're, not, you're probably not one of those talkative people, hey? But it's quite something. It's quite difficult. But you know, there's something that God has established. And this is what He says. He says, there's times when you actually silence out things. You silence yourself. You become quiet. And I make myself known to you, my son, my daughter. You will know that I am God. I make myself aware. I make you aware of me as you are quiet before me. It says, be still and know that I am God. One commentary, Clark's commentary says the following, Know that I am God means to understand that God is the fountain of power, the fountain of wisdom, the fountain of justice, the fountain of goodness, the fountain of truth. And sometimes we're so aware of things around about us, and you spend a few moments with God, and, and there's like this fountain of, God, this is who you are. You're the fountain of truth and fountain of life. and You're the fountain of wisdom. So number one, it's in the stillness that the knowing takes place. Number two, God's voice is most easily heard in stillness. Please turn to Second Kings. It's a little bit before Psalms. Second Kings chapter 19 and we're looking at verse 11 to 13. Please turn there. Second Kings 19. Sorry, it's 1 Kings. My apology. 1 Kings 19 verse 11 to 13. I'm checking if you're awake here this morning. It says there, this is in terms of Elijah. It says, Then he, that's God, said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and great and strong wind tore through the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. He was not in that impressive demonstration. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. 
And so it was, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And, and, but basically, Elijah knew that then God was in the still, small voice. I'm of the opinion, I may be wrong, but I'm of the opinion that most often, this is exactly the way God speaks to His people. Sometimes we're looking for dramatic things to take place. Sometimes we say, God, wouldn't you do the writing on the wall like you did one time in Bible times? Wouldn't you do that, God? Or God, as I look up at the sky right now, wouldn't you just cause the clouds to make a check mark if you want me to do that? Or make an X mark if you don't want me to take this job offer that you've given to me, or if you don't want me to relocate to Durban or whatever. God, can't you do something dramatic like that? And God is actually just in the still, small voice. I want to get a chair here for a moment. During the week, I was putting this into practice of being still before the Lord. And it's great. Sometimes uh, at the church office, I'll close my door. I put a little sign outside the door which says, In Preparation. And uh, I say, Please, guys, don't bother me. I'm spending some time preparing. Sounds like a nice life, isn't it? <clears throat> there's, a, there's a busy side to it too, trust me. In any case, so I was sitting before the Lord and, and uh, I just tried to become quiet before the Lord. I'd had my cup of coffee. I was being quiet. And as I be, became quiet before the Lord, it's, it's amazing how you begin to become aware of the Lord. Just began to talk to the Lord. Lord, thank you that I can have these few moments just being with you. Thank you, Lord. And then as I was still before the Lord, I began to become aware of what was around me. And suddenly it dawned on me that everything around me was the provision of the Lord. Every single thing. I began to realize I was sitting in the provision of the Lord. My chairs were provided by the Lord. My desk, my notebook computer, my shelves, my light fitting, my coat stand, the things that I put a coffee tray on, the ornament on my desk, the very house that the church is operating from, the, the church office was provided by the Lord. The pool outside the window where we do our baptisms, that was provided by the Lord. This whole facility that is next to the church office, our church facility, is provided by the Lord. And suddenly my heart just began to be overwhelmed and, and I got on my face before the Lord and I said, Lord, thank you so much. A deep gratitude began to fill up in my heart. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've provided. And I thought of how four years ago, there was no Choose Life Church. It was just this dream. It was just this vision. And now I was sitting in the provision of the Lord, and God's goodness was all around, and a deep gratitude just began to come out of my heart to the Lord. And I was like, I was wanting to cry. I said, God, thank you. You've been so good, God. You've been so good. You've been so good. And then I felt the Lord say to me, but there's more to come. 
I felt the Lord say that to me. He said, but there's more to come. It's as though God was making it clear to me. He was saying, listen, my boy, there's so much more in store that I'm going to do. There's so much more in store. You know what? I came out of that few moments of being with the Lord all the richer. And I have an awareness that God has got us as a church on a journey. And I want to say to you folks, this is early days. Greater things are still going to take place. And we will continue to honor and give glory to the Lord for everything that takes place. But God's voice is most easily heard in stillness. Now, if I had decided not to spend that time with the Lord and had just gone on to the pressing things and all the emails that I need to see to and so on, you know what would have happened? I would have missed out on that word from God. There's more to come. Sir, ma'am, as you take a moment to be with the Lord, He will say things to you that will just build you and uplift you. Number three, challenges to becoming still. Now, as we pursue stillness and quietness before the Lord, there are challenges that we face. And there's external distractions and there's inner distractions. Now, let's look firstly at the external distractions. Please turn to Matthew 6, verse 6. Matthew 6, verse 6. It says here, But when you pray, I'd like to say, but when you become still, we're talking about becoming still this morning. It says, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. It seems to me as though if we want to experience the secret place of God, we have to come into a secret place ourselves. At the very least, the secret place needs to be in our hearts. You can actually be together in a, a time of worship like this morning, and you can be in the secret place because you're by yourself with God in a spiritual sense. But... In a practical sense, there's some guidelines here. It says, go into your room and shut the door. This is very practical advice from God. It's in red. This is what Jesus actually spoke. And I think there is a key here. If you want to spend time with the Lord and become still before Him, you actually, at times, need to go into your room, maybe switch off your cell phone, shut the door and be in the secret place before the Lord. We need this kind of privacy to become still. So that's one of the ways in which we can remove the external distractions. Find a place where you can be alone. I've visited with a few people here and there over the years, and I've discovered that they have a beautiful little room where they spend time waiting on the Lord. And some of them have a nice view or a nice wingback chair, a little table with a lamp next to it, and they got their Bible there, and a little footrest. And some people really go to town in creating this beautiful spot. Uh, I don't know if any of you have a spot like that, 
But even if you don't have a spot, you can still go into your room, you can sit on the bed, and you can spend time with the Lord. So that's handling some of the external distractions. But then you need to also handle inner distractions as you come to be with the Lord. One of them is the voice of your conscience. Because you might come before the Lord and suddenly you become aware that there's something that you did which didn't please the Lord. You became aware of yesterday how you really became upset with somebody and it wasn't the way you should have been. Immediately, you just handle it right there. You say, God, I give it to you. Please forgive me for that. I receive your forgiveness. But it should not need to happen every time you come before the Lord. If every time you come before the Lord, you are saying, God, forgive me for this, forgive me for that, you are in a little bit of a ritual there, I would like to suggest. But on occasion, as you come before the Lord, you might become aware of something. Oh, yeah. Lord, I'm sorry. I thought that thought. It was not a good thought. Please forgive me. And that distraction of the voice of your conscience then gets dealt with. Another inner distraction is the voice of the urgent. And one of the ways we can solve this is you have a little piece of paper. And as you spend time with the Lord, if there's something that comes to mind that you need to attend to, you write it on a little piece of paper. I do this myself. Remember to phone so-and-so. Or make sure you pay the, the TV license or what have you, you know. These things often pop up when you become still. But don't let that take you then out of being with the Lord. Just make a note and then deal with it later. Another inner distraction, so to speak, is the voice of your body. It's important that when you want to be still before the Lord that you're not very tired. You say, well, John, I'm tired all the time. I never get enough sleep, you know. But we need to also gauge ourselves into how in terms of how tired we are. The other day I was trying to spend time with the Lord. I could not keep my eyes open. I was yawning and yawning and yawning. Eventually I said, no, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not going to spend time with you now. I went and worked on my computer and then my mind was going and I could stay awake. But if we really want to spend time with the Lord, it's important that we make sure that our body is in the right place. We need to be comfortable. We need to have adequate light. We need to have ventilation. And not be too tired because we don't want these things to distract us. But these are some of the challenges. When you go and spend time with the Lord, it's some of these little things that are difficult. But I want to encourage you that you can press past those. You can get over those things and you can successfully have communion with God. Number four, God owns the patent to becoming still. Number four, God owns the patent to becoming still. In other words, He owns the right to becoming still. Now, some people, when you talk about the concept of becoming still before the Lord, they say, well, isn't this like an Eastern religion or something? Isn't this like transcendental meditation or, or Zen or yoga or one of these things? And I want to say it is distinctly different. It's distinctly different. You see, in these Eastern religions, what happens is you're supposed to blank your mind out. You are supposed to totally empty your mind. When that happens, and you're not 
in a place of being a believer before God, you're opening yourself to dangerous things. You're opening yourself to evil spirits. You're opening yourself to the devil himself. If you blank your mind out like that, there is problems that you can expect. We should have nothing to do with that. But when you come to be still before the Lord, you want to fill your heart and mind with Jesus. You want to fill the very attention and focus of your being on the one you love so much. And so it is completely different. And you need never fear about experiencing something which is of the devil when you want him to become still before the Lord. Because God says that as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Not some evil thing or some nonsense. God will make himself known to you. We're supposed to fill our mind with God and focus on him. Scripture says, Hebrews 12 verse 2, looking unto Jesus. That's what you do when you wait on God. Another scripture in Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. And when you come and you spend some time with the Lord, that's what you do. You set the Lord before you. You look unto Jesus. You become aware of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, becoming still is a biblical concept. The devil may have the counterfeit, but God owns the real thing. That's number four. God owns the patent to becoming still. Number five, and please turn with me to Second Kings. Now we're going to Second Kings. We really are. Second Kings chapter three and verse fifteen. Second Kings three and verse fifteen. Now this point, point number five. Worship music is one of the easiest ways of becoming still before the Lord. As you spend time with the Lord, if you are battling in that area and you're feeling it's not working for you, one of the best things you can do is get a hold of some beautiful worship music and you put that on next to you, maybe put it through your headphones, your iPod, whatever, and that'll be one of the best ways of drawing into the presence of God. Also, it keeps your mind focused. Now, in 2 Kings 3 verse 15, just to give you a little bit of a background to the story, it's an interesting one. Israel was at war with Moab. And while they were at war, they ran out of water. That's not a good position for an army to be in. They ran out of water. So then Jehoshaphat asked Elisha, the prophet, he said, you go find out from God what we must do. We're in trouble here. And in verse 15 it says, this is Elijah, uh, Elisha speaking. He says, but now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he, Elisha, said, thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. So, what happened is they made the valley full of ditches and God filled those ditches with water and so there was provision for the army. But it's interesting. Here you had a prophet, Elisha. The, the leader of the army, Jehoshaphat, instructs him to go find out from the Lord. And when he's tasked with this, he says, bring me the music. <laughs> he says, bring me a musician. And as the musician began to play, the hand of the Lord came upon him and spoke to him. 
I believe that music is one of the most powerful ways of the hand of the Lord coming upon us. I believe that's one of the main factors why people are coming to be a part of this church. Because as we worship in the Lord, the hand of the Lord is coming upon us. And He is speaking to us. But it's interesting, the point, the importance of music. How many of you, you just love to worship God in music and song? Isn't it wonderful? Amen. We're a worshiping church. Now, number six, a few guidelines to becoming still. This is my last point. A few guidelines to becoming still. And under this point, I would like to read to you something that uh, my dad wrote. It's a couple of points in a sense, but I'm going to read it to you in a prose kind of format. And it's something that my dad wrote about how he would come before the Lord, how he would practice the presence of God. And it's actually very beautiful because, by the way, I've often looked around for material on how to cultivate your relationship with the Lord and how to develop communion with God. And you know what? You will battle to find such books in bookstores. I challenge you, you can go look in bookstores and there'll be all sorts of books on joy and hope and peace and, you know, this and that and the next things. But battle to find books on developing your relationship with God. Now, this is what my dad said in something that I discovered of his. He said, get alone with God in a specific place. These are guidelines for becoming still. Get alone with God in a specific place. Recognize that you are in control of your mind and begin to focus your mind on the Lord Jesus. To assist you in focusing on Jesus, you can do several things. You can sing an appropriate worship song. You can sing in the Spirit. You can sing a spontaneous song to the Lord. In other words, a new song, not a song that you know. You can softly repeat the cry of your heart. I like that one. Maybe that would sound something like this. Oh Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you now, Lord. Lord, I need you. Softly repeat the cry of your heart. Then my dad wrote this. Let your faith Reach out to the Lord on the basis of His Word and then start to recognize His presence. For example, say, Lord, thank You that Your Word assures me that when I draw near to You, You will draw near to me. Thank You that You are drawing near to me, Lord. Welcome, Lord Jesus. It's wonderful to know that You are right here with me and that I'm privileged to speak with You as a friend. He then goes on to say, as you become aware of the Lord and so on, accept that you don't have to do anything, but it's about being in touch with your precious Father. And so love Him. Love on Him. Speak out your love. Enjoy Him. Thank Him for His love to you. Realize that this is what is involved in loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's one more aspect, which is the most beautiful that he touches on. He says, as you come before the Lord, accept the fact that becoming still cannot be hurried 
or forced. Rather, it must be allowed to happen. It's at this point in your stillness that God takes over. And you begin to sense an active flow in your spirit towards the Lord. And it's then when spontaneous thoughts begin to arise in your spirit and come into your mind. This is how God speaks to us. These spontaneous thoughts are most often His voice. As this process takes place and communion is experienced, you are entering the realm of the Spirit. You are experiencing what it is to be in the Spirit. Don't you agree that's beautifully, beautifully put? That's just a little bit of a heart guideline, if I can put it that way, as to how you and I come into the presence of the Lord. And I love it that you begin to recognize the presence of God. Then you begin to not try to do, but just be. And it's there where there begins to be a flow between the Spirit of God and your spirit. And in the example I used earlier, it was right then, when I sense the Lord say, there's more to come. There is more to come. And when we begin to experience that kind of communion with God, that's when we are in the Spirit, so to speak. I'd like to end off with a scripture. Be still and know that I am God. Won't you bow your head?